welcome to the show. This is the Loudwater Outfitters Podcast, and I'm your host, the Palmetto Sleuth. Well, again, thank you all for joining us today. We're going to discuss the case about Khalil Jefferson. Uh, and joining us on the show to explain this whole case is the owner of Loudwater Outfitters, and he's actually the one that found the young man. This is Michael Hubbard. Again, thank you so much for joining us and taking the time to drop by and speak with us today. Um... Uh, I know I was thinking the other day when we were working on a couple of things, you know, with the new year coming about and a lot of new things going to be happening and working on and all that, just thought maybe we might take a moment, you know, just chat for a second if anything you might want to talk about or any new plans or any ideas you've got coming up. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. Um, just so everybody knows, first and foremost, everybody that's following or that has been following me from the beginning that's out there right now. It's greatly appreciated. Each and every one of y'all is the reason that we're able to do what we're doing. Um, without the support that we get as far as people reaching out, let me know about different cases. We would never have any idea about some of them. And uh, Khalil Jefferson's case is no different. Without without the, without the outreach that we've gotten from the growth that we've received, I don't think I would have ever even heard of this case. And I'm not, I don't say that negatively. I say that because that's the power of each and every one of y'all that are listening or watching this right now, I greatly appreciate it. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Uh, as far as what we've got going on right now, probably picked up another, I don't know, I'd say 10 cases that we've got going on. We've got one out of Georgia Wow. Uh, that for sure I want to get involved on that. So we're just waiting on GBI, which is uh, Georgia's Bureau of Investigations, to uh, let the family member know basically what we've had to do. Uh, we, do we want to cooperate or we do cooperate with law enforcement as much as possible. We don't have to be requested by them, first and foremost. So I work strictly for the families, or not for the families, but with the families, right? Uh, there's no contracts in place. I don't have, they're not paying me any amount of money. We run strictly off donations. Uh, we're doing this, I, and I guess the biggest thing that I want to harp, not really harp on, but hit on real fast is I'm not out here trying to be a private investigator by any means, right? So some people get a little bit out of shape as far as the interviews that I conduct, there's people that are kind of upset that I don't dig more and ask more questions, this, that, and the other. That's, that's not what I'm trying to do. I did 10 years in law enforcement, at least five as a uh, narcotics investigator. So do I know how to ask these questions? Yes, 100%. That's not what I'm doing. I'm right. not out here trying to hold court and media attention. I'm not trying to, you know, have all these things going on like that. My only concern is finding these missing loved ones. All the rest of it, I could care less. I'm not, I'm not trying to hear it. Do I think that it's important? Uh, the information in these messages, I do. But for me, personally, my mission is to find the missing loved one. And the, the biggest thing that I run off of that is last known locations. Um, right. and, but what I did want to say, so that everybody knows, I've heard everybody ask uh, about going in-depth, doing these interviews, things like that. And instead of me just using this platform to let the families get the message out, which I will always continue to do, right? That's always going to be priority number one. I just, I let them get their message out, not my message, not the public's message, the family's message out so that others can hear that. And if somebody knows something, they can come forward about it. They can work with them. Um, but I did want everybody to know that John here, uh, Palmetto Sleuth is going to be joining forces with Loudwater and taking over all the reins on the Loudwater podcast here. So that's his baby. Uh, it, he understands that I'm pretty, I don't want to say pretty driven, but uh, like I'm extremely driven, right? Oh, yeah. I want to be the best at what we do. Uh, I don't, 
there's one thing that's not going to happen. I'm not going to be out worked, right? There's a lot of people that are going to have excuses here and there, and I can't do it because of this, can't do it because of that. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear it. I don't surround myself with it. We're not talking about trying to find cell phones or, you know, lost car keys. We're talking about human beings. So, John, I just wanted y'all to take the time. Welcome John to this. He's been a great, great help to me. Some of the cases that I've already undertaken, and I look forward to a bunch of it. And just for me to you, thank you for uh, willing to take over the podcast here. Absolutely. I'm so excited about this. Again, working with you, your passion to all of this, I think is obviously what's going to make the big part of this uh, to succeed along with the followers, but also just got to remember to hit that record button. So yeah, glad you didn't get too mad. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to tell anybody about, uh, you know, yeah. we, we did this for about 10, 15 minutes beforehand and he hadn't even, he didn't even record. So, you know, we was off to a rocky start there. <laughs> it's all good. It's all part of the fun though. And honestly, you know, with what we've had going on here for the last couple of months and helping out, I don't know, this may or may not sound crazy, but this was probably the most relaxed, most stress-free my life and work situation has been in a long time. But I think a lot of it too is, you know, I think we're doing something that's right and doing something good, you know, helping families, trying to give back. And I think that's one of the things I love so much about this. So... Yeah, I'm looking forward to what's going to happen this coming year. I think it's going to be a really, really good year for us. So, so I tell you what, without uh, going any further, what I'm going to go ahead and do, if you're cool with this, just go ahead and give you the floor and just kind of walk us through the whole Khalil Jefferson case from you know point of first contact or how that came about to any last known contact that you've had with the family or, or any, anything new. Yeah, for sure. So I will cover... Real fast, because I get this question all the time. If somebody wants to submit a case to us or wants me to look over something, this is this Khalil Jefferson's case is a prime example of how when I tell you the things that I need or that I'm looking for, this is what I'm looking for, and these are the results that are these are the circumstances that are going to get us the best results, right? Or that I'm going to be able to help these family members the most. The biggest, most crucial thing that I need. When somebody reaches out to me about this case, is the last known location. I don't need, you know, I know there's a lot of people that reach out and I listen to everybody and I, I look into what they're saying. But if somebody's heard something five or six people down the line, it, it gets misconstrued, it gets exactly. diluted. But with this, we had verifiable information uh, where he was believed to have last been, right? Or one of the areas he had last been. And that's where we started at. And so I say that just because if you're out there listening right now, 100%, please send me any cases from anywhere in the country that you want to. I'll be glad to help each and every one of you. Again, making it known that we will never charge families a dime. We run strictly off donations. So if that if that is something you think would prevent us from helping you, I want that thought eliminated now. So what ended up happening with Khalil Jefferson's case was one of the followers reached out to me um, kind of tagged me and what was going on there. There was a group, Finding Khalil was the name of it at the time, and I believe his mother, Sonona, was the one that was in charge of that group. I, I know she was active in it. Right. Well, so I get tagged, or Loudwater gets tagged. I go, I'm reading over basically what they've got going on. They've, and, you know, as I'm reading, I'm looking for things. Have they narrowed it down to one area? Do they have reason to believe that he's in this area, that he was in that area? And I saw, again, that it, it kind of relayed back to water, and that's what I specialize in. Uh, you know, I can put together all kinds of things, but nine times out of ten, what I'm looking for is something pertaining to the water. And uh, so we go through, and we're looking at that, 
or I'm looking at it. So then I reached out to Snona. Um, I was like, hey, I'm willing to offer any assistance that we can. At this point, he had been missing since, or he was missing since December 2nd. Um, and we were becoming involved. I don't know, it was coming up on a month mark, I believe. And so she reaches back out to me. She says, yeah, anything, you know, I've tried a lot of stuff. Uh, we'll see, you know, anything that you could do would be appreciated. So at that point, number one, I was like, all right, yeah, we're all in it. Well, I hold the interview with her. I aired it. It's still on YouTube. Um, you know, she, and Sonona, if you're watching this, I'm still praying for you. And she's, she's a, been an extreme pleasure to work with, right? I mean, she's been an extremely strong woman throughout this entire process. Absolutely. That community, the community up there saw the same thing and it's really rallied behind her. Uh, you know, and she's dealing with her own set of issues. That community's dealing with their own set of issues of, uh, you know, things pertaining to the way Khalil Jefferson's case was handled. That's not my story to tell, right? But, you know, she, she definitely has a story. I've spoken to her about it and she would be, and I'm sure she would be glad to speak with you as far as coming on the podcast and letting, uh, you know, giving her side of things. Right. But, so I talked to her, I let her know, I was like, hey, we're going to go to the last known location. And at first, I think she was kind of hesitant just because, and a lot of these people are because they'll say, oh, well, you know, police department's telling me they've searched this. These other organizations are telling me they've searched this. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be conceited or cocky at all when I say this, but that's, you know, that's what I specialize in is the way that my brain works. I, I look and feel these things and I look for the things that everybody's missing, right? Like that one thing that's sticking out that's so obvious that people think, no, it can't be that. And I, that, that's just what I do. Right. So again, I'm not discrediting anybody that was out there that was involved in this, you know, my hat goes off to you for taking the time. And going into it, you know, it was just, you know, things happen. Um, and I, I don't have answers for what other people did or what they didn't do. All I can do is speak on what I did. So, again, just won't make that clear, too. I'm not blaming anybody for anything. I'm not saying it didn't happen because of this. You know, that that's a whole other story for a different day, and I'll let her give that story. But, um, so we go up there. We start... I don't even remember where I was. I was in Greensboro, North Carolina. I was doing Nicholas Sneed's case a couple of days before that. Uh, went up there. I missed finding him by, God, maybe a quarter mile. I was a quarter mile away from where his location was. So I was already pretty upset about that one. Um, and then, so one of the female uh, cadaver dog handlers that was with us at the time, you know, she was doing some work with us. She wanted to go up there as well, which I thought was a great idea. Uh, so what we were doing in the process was, you know, where we don't charge anybody anything for this, we were trying to basically raise the funds to just to cover the fuel. She had a big truck, right. she had a big trailer, so she was trying to get up there. You know, at the end of the day, um, that didn't happen, just, just so everybody's aware, right? We didn't receive anything at the time. Uh, so we went up there, got up, as soon as we get there, it's about six hours away, six and a half hours away. We get out. I talk to the mother. I talk to the family. Or her, Khalil's sister was there, I believe, at the time. I know she was there later. And then oh, there's yeah. two other two other ladies that were there. Um, and again, I reiterated what we were going to do. We walked to where the pier or that bench was, where the clothing. So what had happened? There was clothing that was placed underneath there. He took in a, taken a picture of that and sent it to somebody else. And said, "Hey, this is where my stuff's going to be." But they had already found 
those clothing items in that river shortly after. Uh, Sonona, his mother, was actually on the kayak and found them. So she was the one that did that. So that led me even more to believe to go back to that area. Gotcha. I go go to that area. We spend maybe two, three minutes there. At this point, we're probably at the 10-minute mark. Then 10 minutes of just walking down there. So I get his mother to step back. The other two females that are there step back. Um, the lady with the, the cadaver dog, she takes it back and, you know, starting to work her dog. Uh, John, he's back on the bank as well, I believe getting ready to kind of fly the drones just to see, because the drones are huge tools as well, the dogs are huge tools as well, and uh, so I start analyzing the dock and just kind of searching the water, because uh, again, that's what I look for, those super small, minute details, and as I make it to the end of that dock, and it's not very far, how, how many feet would you say that was? Maybe a hundred. Yeah, so maybe, yeah. maybe a hundred feet, and I'm on the dock for... You know, it seemed like an hour, but it was really three, four, five minutes. I make it to the end, and I look down in the water, and I see the silhouette of what I know to be a human. And it, I, I say the silhouette because it was clear that it had been underwater for a while. But he was, or the body that I was seeing was covered in silt, uh, sand, dirt, mud, and just that environment from being in the water, which this what ends up happening two bodies that have spent time in there and uh i was like all right so but the, the problem was you know you've got to, uh, i'm super mindful of the situation as to clearly if it is him and i didn't know that because of the way that the body was discovered you could not tell or i could not tell at the time right because of the amount of debris and stuff that was on top of him or covered on him. I'm trying to confirm that it is, one, in fact, a body. So I call John over there. I call the lady with the cadaver dog over there. And, you know, I, well, I guess I want to ask you, like, I mean, what did you think when you went over there and saw it? I mean, clearly, I know this, and I'm not trying to be graphic by no means, but this isn't the first body that we've encountered. Um, right. But like, what, what was your thought process when you saw it? Like, when I, when I, basically walk me through that, just from your perspective. Well, when you called my name, I could tell right then, I said, he, he's already found something. I could tell in your voice, and I'm like, oh, wow. So when I got down there, honestly, I, I wasn't expecting what we saw, mm-hmm. because like you said, the silhouette was, what, from about the waist up, Correct. about half of it out of the water, and, you know, the, the first impression was that that can't be. Mm-hmm. But then got to look, and I'm like... Yeah, that this is absolutely what what we think it is. I guess what threw me off was the location. Yeah, you know what we've heard the searches previously, and that water moves pretty fast. That's one thing I noticed too. So, but yeah, my impression was, you know, that this is absolutely what what we think it is. But how? <laughs> I mean, that that's what I was thinking. But I know this area has been searched several times, mm-hmm. but again. You know, I, I was I was concerned about Sonona too. You know, she's obviously probably figuring something's going on, or, or what are they looking at, or what are they talking about. So I was worried about that. But you know, th- now that's the first body I've ever seen that's been in water. That, mm-hmm. that is the first time I've ever seen that. So that's what I noticed. Like you were talking about the silt and all that. It, it was pretty heavy. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it it happens really quick, and you know, there and there are different levels, right, of floating. So you're going to have one level of floating between two to four days after a body becomes deceased. 
Um, and then you're going to have another one about two weeks or so after to where, you know, they kind of start to float even more. And again, I'm not no kind of science major. I'm not a uh, coroner or nothing like that. But I, again, it's just going off of things that I've known and seen through personal experience. And, uh, you know, so I guess going back to that, so I call you all over there and you're like, okay, yeah, you're not crazy. This is a body. Um, at that point, my biggest concern is the family. You know, I don't want her to see her, if it is her son, because there's no way that I could tell you definitively that day that it was her son. But it was, without a doubt, it was somebody. Right. And uh, so I go back up there and I tell her, I'm like, look, I don't, and it, there's no easy way for me to say that, you know, and that's that's one of those things that a lot of people don't take into consideration either. It's like, all right, yeah, you find them, then what? All right, well, you know, in this scenario, since his mother, I mean, we're not talking about a distant cousin. We're not talking about somebody that read <clears throat> read about this on the internet. We're talking about the person that gave birth to the, possibly the person that's laid in the water deceased. You know, so I try to treat that as careful and, I guess, compassionate as possible. But at the same time, like, you have to be straightforward, right? You can't. Right, yeah. So... What I remember going up and saying was, I don't know how to tell you this, but I have already found something, and it is a deceased human, right? And so, initially, and I told her, I said, I, I can't prevent you from coming down there. I highly recommend you do not, just in case. But I can't tell you what to do, but I respect your wishes and we'll be here for you the entire time. And then at that point, I started trying to get people to call 911. Now, again, naturally, people don't see this kind of stuff every day. It's just not normal for, you know, people to process this kind of thing. So I tell, I tell one of the two ladies that was there, I was like, hey, go ahead and call 911. Well, so what happens is when your brain gets into that high, like adrenaline, and doesn't believe something or like a, a fear you get what's called auditory exclusion, right? Right. And it just, you're hearing sounds, but you're not hearing the words, right? So it's just not making sense. And I think that was what was setting in, and I recognized that. And uh, so I went ahead and I made that 911 phone call. I explained to them what was going on, who I was, who what we were doing. And, you know, and they said that they were going to send somebody out there. Well, and I'll come back to that here in just a second, too, because there's something about that that kind of irks me, and it has since that day. But from that point, two of the ladies, well, both of those ladies, uh, Sonona had asked them to go down with me to kind of see it as well. They go down there. They immediately know. Um, and they're like, yeah, that's definitely a body. And I was like, okay. Well, at that point, they go back up, and we begin standing by for the police at that point. Well, I will say this. Again, I'm a huge supporter of law enforcement. I'll do anything I can to help them out. But one thing that did really irk me was I made that phone call at, I think, 11 o'clock in the morning, 11.02. And it was almost 12 o'clock before anybody even showed up. Like, when I say anybody, I don't mean, like, a dive team, you know, a search and rescue team or anything like that. I mean, like, the first police officer that showed up up there. And... And I get it. I do. I get it. And they were probably like, oh, you know, we've been doing this for a month or so. There's no way they came up here. Because at this point in time, how many minutes do you think had passed? From the time that we got out of that truck and trailer to the time that the body was discovered, how long? It was right around the 20-minute mark. And most of that really was, you kind of did the intro video, 
Cheryl was getting the dogs ready, and then yeah, you know, I was getting my equipment and mm-hmm. just kind of talking with family and walking in that direction. From the time that you actually really got started, dude, I'm gonna say it's less than ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. So, but so that is one thing that I will say that without a doubt that irked me. There was no, I don't see any reason. Like, yeah, I get it. Maybe they had a high call volume that day. Maybe there's something going on there. But that, without a doubt, that was the first thing that I had witnessed. They kind of was like, "Are you are you kidding me?" Because I know, like, mm. I give kudos where kudos is due. Around here, you know, some people may not like police that much, but if you called in something like that, I mean, there would be a legitimate like army rolling up. Oh yeah. Now, and it sounds <laughs> bad too, but some of them may not even have anything to do with it. They just be showing up to be present. Want to see and, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, and but that that there's wasn't the case. Yeah, I, I, I was a little surprised at that too. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, generally, when you get that type of a call, somebody said, we think we may have found a body. I mean, even something that simple, generally that first responder's there within just a few minutes. Because I think you'd ask me twice, is, you know, have they shown up? Where are they? We're like, we have no clue. Yeah. Yeah, and then, where I'm talking about we were at was not some desolate, in the middle of nowhere type location. Was it East Carolina University? Was what maybe five blocks away? Yeah, yeah. So I just I didn't understand that. Now, however, I will again. Like I said, I give kudos for kudos is due. I didn't catch her name. I uh, probably got it on video somewhere. But the first officer that arrived was a female, and she did a jam up job. I was extremely yeah. like the way that she handled this situation. She was extremely professional. Yeah, uh, she, she was. She stayed with Sonoma the entire time. Uh, she was com- super compassionate. Like I mean that. That's the way that it's supposed to be, and I, again, I'm, I'm sorry I don't remember your name right off the bat, but if uh, you're listening to this, kudos to you because you definitely did a, did a good job. And you should be proud. Absolutely. But then, so I guess, I guess after the police started rolling in, they started doing their thing. Um, backtracking to that again, one, I, I think. The emotional and mental aspects that this plays onto the families is one of the things that I do want to get out there as well, right? I know it's a private matter. I know it's a personal thing. But to anybody that's listening to this now, right, and with this, I mean, it's it's public knowledge now. We're not the ones stating this. Uh, it's been put on record that this was allegedly a suicide. Uh, that he's battling with mental health. He's having problems going on there. You know, my hat goes off to him. Uh, thoughts and prayers are with him. Again, he was a Air Force veteran. Myself, I was in the Marine Corps, and like I said, the, the twenty-two a day. You hear a lot of people talk about that, but it doesn't—it doesn't really resonate with people until it becomes a part of their life, right? And me personally, one of my best friends was part of that, and that's kind of what drives me that much more to help get these families those answers. Because his family did—they—they they know what happened, right? Uh, talking about my buddies, but. I couldn't imagine if that had happened and they didn't have that closure being able to put him to rest, if that makes sense. Right, exactly. But just kind of, so anybody that's listening to this that is thinking about it or needs help, definitely reach out to us. If I would help, without a doubt, I'll do everything I can. I don't care if it's one, two, three o'clock in the morning. If you reach out and you say, hey, I've got some things going on in life, because nobody's perfect. Everybody's got battles that they're facing. Um, Reach out. I know it's hard. I know you may feel like somebody doesn't care. Nobody wants to listen to you, but I'm telling you right now, I'll do it without a doubt. I know John will do it. If we can't get you that help or you don't want to talk to us, we will find somebody that will get you that legitimate, certified, whatever kind of help that you need. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
because the the amount of pain and agony, like I I know the people that are going through things, it sucks. I, I've been in my worst. I didn't think that you could come out of it, things like that. So I understand that. But after all these cases that we go on and these families that we talk to, just the disbelief, right, of that, that can't be my child or you hear them, hear mother say, that that's not my baby. Somebody's playing a trick. That's not real. Like that That's how much, I mean, there's a lot of pain behind that to hear somebody say those kind of things. So much pain that your brain doesn't even want to believe what you're seeing, right? Yeah. And uh, it's, it's just, it's a bad situation all the way around. And again, that's why when I say that Sonoma is one, probably one of the strongest people I've ever met, she 100% is, because she was there the entire time. She was the one every day, boots on the ground, making this thing happen. And she wasn't going to stop until she found her child. And that, that, without a doubt, that's that's what she did. So, again, yeah. Yeah, I may have personally went up there and seen him or found him, but it was because of his mother's drive to get her baby brought home. It was because of the followers and subscribers reaching out to me. That's what I'm saying. This the, the community that we're building, it is not me that's doing this. It I mean, yeah, okay. I'll give myself credit, like, yes, will we be out there rain, sleet, snow, shine, hundred degrees, negative a hundred? Yeah, yeah, we'll I'll do that. But I wouldn't be there or know these things if it wasn't for everybody working on it beforehand or reaching out to me about it. And I th I think you'll agree with that, right? Oh yeah, I have been beyond impressed with this what we call the Loudwater community. Yeah. They they are spot on, and I, I can't say enough. But without them, you absolutely we wouldn't be where we are so far, and especially in such a short amount of time. Yeah, yeah, and that's what they're awesome. That's one of the things that kind of blows people's minds. They're like, "Oh yeah, you know, y'all been doing this for five, six years." No, I was active law enforcement for ten years. And I was, this has been ongoing. We're like maybe coming up on the 90 day mark of this being an up and running business, right? And it's just, I just believe in doing good. Um, but it shows everywhere we go, somebody figures out, especially if they see a t shirt, a hat, a hoodie, they're like, hey, are you so and so? Are you Mike? Are you, you know, and everybody, everybody thinks that's my last name. So, you know, that's just what I roll with now. Michael Loudwater. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, you know, we went to, we went to Kenneth Hughes's memorial or candlelight service. I mean, just even in that little bitty group, that small group in that church. Now, the Greenwood, South Carolina community, y'all have been amazing, right? So anybody that's listening to that, y'all have been amazing. Uh, Greenville, North Carolina community, y'all were amazing. Greensboro, the amount of support that I received for going up there and bringing awareness to uh, Mr. Sneed's case, which, by the way, the same day that Khalil was found, Mr. Sneed's vehicle was found. That's how I know that you know, I was less than a quarter mile away from that. Right. Um, so everywhere we've been, uh, Tennessee, y'all have been great. Everywhere we've been has been great, right? Um, well, and I got to throw in there too, Sumter, South Carolina. Yeah, oh, you know, yeah I almost, well, I don't want to say I forgot about them, but, you know, there's so many people like Sumter, South Carolina. There's, wow. Uh, yeah, that, that's just a whole different level down there as far as support. I mean, these are some diehard. And we haven't even started that one yet. Mm -hmm. that, that that blows my mind. So, yeah, yeah, that's a whole different story down there. Yeah. We'll be hitting that one here in a few weeks. But it, but it's just cool. Everywhere we go, you know, people come up to me and they say thank you. And it makes me feel weird because it's not, I mean, I get what they're saying and the reason that they're saying thank you. Yeah. But again, I, 
I have to make it known that the people that follow and help and send us this stuff, y'all are just as much as responsible. So I will never sit here and take credit for all of that. Yeah, that that is the absolute cool thing about this. And before you and I really got together, when I was starting the whole Palmetto Sleuth thing with the whole podcast in the beginning was, you know, getting the people involved. Mm-hmm. You know, we see so many other things of, you know, not trying to step on the toes, but at the same time, I'm really not worried about that. But, you know, there's just a lot of people out there just regurgitate stories over and over. That's not what we do. We, we go out in the field and actually look for this, but it's because of the followers, that the information that these people send to us. And that, that's what's, what's so cool about this whole thing. It's kind of a different approach, but it is absolutely working. Because just like you always say, you know, you know something, say something. Well, somebody has seen something, somebody's heard something. That's how all this gets going. So it's great. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a huge area as well. I mean, because it's not like we, and some people for some reason, you know, so the way that it works too is it kind of goes in spurts. So whatever area that we're in at the time, that's when we, we see the most growth, right? And naturally we go out, the exposure becomes higher, things like that. But if I take a case from Wisconsin, you know, you'll see an influx from Wisconsin and areas of that nature. Then that's when cases from Oregon start coming in, uh, Michigan, uh, Illinois, Indiana, things like that. All these cases start coming in because, and that's why I preach this exposure so much, because it is the ultimate end goal is to have different sectors and different branches to be able to help all these people at one time, regardless of what the case is, whether it be fugitive apprehension, uh, cyber investigations, uh, digital investigations, locate missing loved ones, K-9 units, uh, drone units, things of that nature. You know, that's pretty cool. And that's just what we're going for. And it's continuing to grow continuously every day. And the overall support and outreach from everything has been awesome. It's been awesome. But, But then going back to the Khalil Jefferson stuff, or Khalil Jefferson case, well, so the first first officer gets out there, and I, I mean you could tell on her face within the first like sixty seconds, within the first minute she knew something. Yeah. You know. yeah, she did. And so from there though, you know we we stand by. We're not going to get in the way. We're not going to tell anybody how to do their job, anything like that. I mean we offer that support and we'll stay there. But at that point, it's a crime scene, regardless of, of however you want to look at it. It's it it is a crime scene because nobody knows who that was. I did not know who it was definitively, right? I mean, circumstantial type of evidence leads you to believe we had found Khalil, but we did not know that. Right. Uh, so we stood by, and I think from the time that people started arriving to the time the body had been recovered from the water was, what would you say? Uh, maybe hour and a half total. Yeah. A lot of that really just everybody's kind of getting their stuff together and how they were going to handle it or what have you. Yeah, and once the body was recovered, it was loaded up, and then it was taken to the medical examiners. I think it was Pitt County Medical Examiners, and we had, they waited, I can't tell you how many days. I think it was like right at a week that they waited for the confirmation. So something about that, too, that I wanted to point out. We at no point in time before that confirmation came out from the uh, Pitt County Coroner, or Medicals, examiner's office we never said that it was Khalil if you go back and look at those posts we clearly state that we had found unidentified human remains 
Now, we didn't go into detail saying that we found a body in the water. We didn't go into... But it was crazy to me because none of the... I wasn't really asked anything on scene. I was asked for our basic information, those kind of things, but not really. And I guess they kind of had it because I relayed all that information on the 911 thing, but we didn't hear anything from that. Well, then it was kind of misconstrued because there was a post made by the actual police department stating that they believed the remains were that of Khalil Jefferson. And I just want to clear that up. That was not us. So we are, there were some right. people that were confused, naturally so, that thought we were the ones that had posted that. Now, you know, part of me wants to be like, well, if you could read, it, would, it clearly shows that the person that posted that was Greenville Police Department, not us. So, you know, I, I kind of I straightened that out in the few times I saw it because... That's something somebody else, or I want everybody to understand too. Yeah, we get it. Common sense tells you a lot. We're able to, to, you know, kind of reason together things that we find, but we don't make those determinations, right? I'm not a coroner. Never have been. Never been a medical examiner. I, I can't announce why somebody was deceased or how they became deceased, who, what their identification is. I'm just not doing that. Um, and then. A week later, they came back and they confirmed that it was Khalil Jefferson, you know, and there, there's, it's it's a bittersweet thing because, number one, that's what the, the family wanted answers, whether it was he was alive and well or he was deceased. They just wanted their family member brought back home. So I'm glad that we provide that. But there's so many more questions that come up with it that we don't have the answers for. I, I'm not going to have the answers for um it just, it's a good and bad thing, right? It's one of the worst things you can experience, but also one of the best things you can experience by giving these families those closure or that closure. And, you know, I, do, I don't know. A lot of people ask me how you deal with it, how does it make you feel, those kind of things. And it's just, I have to, and maybe some people get upset about this, but I have to look at it as this is what I'm put on this earth to do. I'm put here to help these families get these answers. Everything that I've been through, the Marine Corps, police departments, firefighting, wildland firefighting, uh, all the different experiences and classes and training that I've been through, the way that I know my own limits, um, that all of that has led up to now and being able to push myself to go through and find all this stuff, right? And that's just why I continue to do it. So in, do I enjoy giving back? 100%. But I look at it as if I'm not doing this, who's going to do it? Exactly. And... You know, then there are other organizations that are out there, and I wish them all the best. I hope nothing but success for all. I hope every time somebody sends you a case that you find it. But I don't care. I'm not in competition with anybody. I don't. None of that matters to me at all. I think that it's stupid if you want to have arguments and, you know, say, I don't want to work with them because they do this or they do that. No, I, I don't feel that way. I wish we would all work together. But yeah. at the end of the day, everybody's entitled to their opinion. And I also know me. I'm never going to buy into it. I'm never going to name any names. I'm not going to give you credit because that's what you, that's what some people want, right? But at, at the end of the day, I can tell you this. There's not a soul out there that is doing this that's going to outwork me. It's just not going to happen. I will give credit. Again, I'm all about giving credit for credit to Texas Equisearch. I've talked to them. Uh, that is an amazing organization. The guy that founded it, I mean, you can go watch. I mean, hell, they made a documentary about him, the Killing Fields of Texas. Yeah, that, that but that dude, that organization, what they've done, that's jam up, and he's never quit since since the day that you know his daughter came up missing. He he was the one 
you know, to put that together and make up people all over the country. And that's exactly what we want to do. Now, those type of individuals that have that, and they're like, all right, we're going to do all we can uh, to help any and everybody. That, that's who I surround myself with. I'm not going to, I don't have time to sit around here and be like, oh, well, I can't do this because police didn't request this or they didn't do that. Like, at the end of the day, you can get out there and go to work. That, that's it. Exactly. You can say you can't do this because of that. At the end of the day, those are just excuses. And I'm, I, somebody contacts me and tells me that their loved one's missing. It may be nothing more than me making a video interview and I'm trying to get their story out there. Or it may be us finding them. Either way, I'm going to do everything that I can. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's, I think that's one thing that some of these other situations are forgetting the whole reason why we're out here or why they're supposed to be out here. This isn't about us. Mm-hmm. Then this is about the family. I mean, we're talking about somebody's human, a human life here. Yeah. And there's been a couple petty issues we've had to deal with. And I'm just like, you know, it, it it's pretty clear what what they were about. So, like you said, you know, we don't have time for that. We're here to help these families. We're here to do what we're here to do, and that's it. And then at the end of the day, all it is is let's find answers. Yeah. And again, though, back to the community thing. My followers are great, man. Love our community because y'all shut that down in a heartbeat. Yes, they did. Yeah, that uh, that did not take long at all. And it's like you said, it's been a couple different ones, but people people that truly follow us, people you know that aren't like just cherry-picking information or cases that we've taken over, but it followed everything we've done. I mean, it's evident. We're not, you know, one day, maybe, hopefully, through just the social media aspect of things, like, especially, and I want to make that clear, too. The reason that we do this on social media is because it allows us to grow this audience, number one, so that increases our outreach. That increases the power of getting the information out there, getting information back to us on where somebody may be, something like that. But it also makes it to where we don't have to say, you know, after a month, uh, hey, I'd appreciate it if anybody that wants to donate, go donate. Because at the end of the day, you know, I'm into this thing probably close to $16,000, $17,000 now out of my own pocket. And and that's okay because I know what we're doing is right and eventually it'll grow. Absolutely. But through like YouTube and pe- people are already watching this, people are already reading it. And if they're doing that and they don't have to come out of their own pocket and we get paid to fund what we're doing now, you know, that, that that's that's what it's all about. That's all I could ask for. Because you also have to understand, too, this isn't like, yeah, this is a full-time job within itself, but I also have another full-time job. And until I can break away because of, I mean, I have things that I have to pay for. You've got things you got to pay for. Yeah. You know, and until we can get to that point where this is what pays us, and I, and I know that it will come, I know that it will be there. Um, that That's just the way that it is. Because it, oh, yeah. It takes away time from us being able to work these cases to help other families. Now, with that being said, I'm not above, if I know somebody that can work on something while we're not available, you know, I'll reach out to them and I'll try to line that up as much as possible. But for us to be on boots on the ground, things like that, we, we do have to fundraise, we do have to do things like that, sponsorships, just different different things there. Yeah, and I've mentioned it on my, my other podcast about, uh, you know, I, I pulled my police retirement. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm operating off of that and living off that for several months. But but I say that because, again, when you and I first were started talking about this just a few months ago and really looked into it, some of the info you gave me and I, you know, research started talking about and looking at, and of course, you know, your drive about everything. 
you know, that, that's one reason why I made that decision because, I mean, there's no doubt this will succeed. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm all in. That's why, you know, if you want to say risking it, but, but pulling that to do this to dedicate as much time as possible because I think we're going to be there a lot quicker than anticipated because, again, these followers, good Lord, it's it's like an army. It is. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, like, there's a big difference between like a follower in a community. And I truly believe like it's a community. Like these people are looking out for each other, looking out for us. And I just think it's wild. I mean, if you truly look at it from the beginning until now, we've played a part in, it's either 11 or 12 loved ones that have been located, whether deceased or alive. Now I'm not saying we've been there for all 12, 11 or 12 of those, but we have you know, people have called us and asked questions, and we've been able to help them look at ways to track them and find them. But 11 or 12 people within a 60-day time frame, you know, and those are cases ranging from 41 days old to 26-year-old cold cases. You know, that that's a big deal. Oh, yeah. Well, And I think, and I don't think I'm wrong in saying this, I think what they see is, I think they do see they drive. I think they do see that, that passion for it, but I think they understand that we truly are out here trying to help them. I mean, we're just trying to give back. I think, and I've said this before, I think a lot of this for me is all the negativity that we saw and dealt with in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that stuff that weighs on you after a while. And this right here, even though it might not be the greatest situation we're dealing with, but, you know, being able to give that family an answer, you know, some type of a uh, an outcome mm-hmm. is, I think that's one of the big things for me that I've really enjoyed. And, and I have to say this for for Sinone and her family, I have never seen, I was very impressed with how they handled that, that day, because a lot of people wouldn't be able to handle seeing that and what's happened. I mean, they were, again, their emotions, everything. I was just very impressed, beautiful family, but I was just like, how are they being this strong today? You know, the brother, the sister that were there, I was just, I, I was very impressed, very, very impressed. She she's a good woman. I think I know you said something to him. I think y'all had talked afterwards, and I almost foresee her almost being some type of an advocate at some point. Yeah, and that, she's and that and that's one of the things that I discussed to her. I was like, look, what you have to understand is you've got power in what happened, right? And I don't mean that in like, hey, uh, you know, look at me type thing, but the message that she has and what she dealt with and what she went through. And that's why I'm not even going to begin to try to go into it because it's, it would be a disservice to her. Because and, it, and again, I'm telling you, she would. I'm, whenever y'all get that set up, she would be more than happy to come on here and tell you. But I, when I tell you that she's, I mean, you talk about people making change, like legitimate, real, legal, in writing type changes. That that's what she's capable of, and she's a super smart lady, uh, super great heart. She's got the backing of. Dear God, I think yeah. everybody, you know, <laughs> and that's, yeah. I, and I, I really truly do. Um, and and then that's what I was telling her, and that's why I tell everybody, all these families, like, yes, it's, it is probably the, if not, well, no, it is the worst moments that you'll ever go through in your life. And you, you got to use that for something good, right? Or it's going to consume you. And that's kind of what we yeah, do exactly. as well. But the messages that they have, there's so many people across the country that are going through or have dealt with the same, if not similar, circumstances. They don't have anybody to talk to, right? Like, right. you can't, 
you can't go up and try to explain something or talk to somebody that's never been involved in that, right? You talk like, you know, combat veterans, they come back and that that's why one of the those suicide numbers are so high. Um, because you come back and you gotta think, we were a country that was at war for from two thousand one to just here recently, so that's over twenty years of nothing but a big chunk of America's male and female working class coming up out of high school, you know, that that's what they were exposed to. Like, that is what, basically, we were doing, you know? If you weren't going to college, you was going to war. And uh, you come back, and the, you can't talk to somebody that was a daggum underwater basket weaver, you know what I mean? And be like, oh, yeah, this is what my problems are. And they're just going to be like, oh, no, I feel you. You know, I got a splinter. Like, it's not the same. I'm not saying, I'm not taking away, you know, everybody's got their own things that they're going through, but... I mean, this is life. These are real-life people that we're dealing with, right? None of these things are meant for humans to go through. It's just not a natural thing. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, everybody that's been through a situation like that, regardless, you know, whether it's been, they've been to war, they've been in really bad car accidents, they've been victims of sexual assault, they've been or victims of domestic violence, things like that. Those are strong messages that people are dealing with that every single day. And it gets to the point to where people feel like they're the only ones. They're, they're alienated. They don't have they don't have that support group. Uh, they don't have anybody. They're going through this, you know, so some people aren't rel- religious. Uh, you know, I believe in God. So all, basically everything that I go through, that, that's how where I get my advice from. You know, and then there's certain certain individuals that I listen to and things like that. You know, everybody's got to have a mentor or somebody, you know, that they, they try to get advice from, but uh, it does, man. I just, I think that it should be more widely spoken about all these problems, right? It shouldn't be stigmatized. I mean, this isn't, you know, the early 1800s. You know, this is, two, we're, we're in 2023, right? I mean, there's a lot of things people don't agree with, but there's also a lot of things that you can use and utilize to get your message out there. And even if you help just one person not get to that point where, you know, they take their own life. I mean, that, that that's a big deal. That's a huge uh, deal. Yeah. I, I absolutely see her trying to turn this into something positive. If, if that's how you can say it, because like you said, she's a very smart lady, very well-spoken. I, I hope she does it. And if she does, you know, I'd be more than willing to help her. Yeah. But because, you know, we, we've talked about this before, just like the missing person thing. I always call it a quiet epidemic, which I absolutely think it is. I mean, good Lord, look at the numbers. Mm. Look how many get added to it every year still. But even that, you know, that, that that's kind of two things in one. You know, the, the, the whole thing about the military, mental health, suicide, and then this about being a missing person also. So, you know, I think a lot of people's mentality, and I guess just human nature, you know, if it doesn't affect me or doesn't happen to me, you don't really think about it. Mm-hmm. So that's where, you know, a tragic situation like this and someone like, you know, Miss Sonona, I mean, it's a perfect opportunity to try to make people aware. Yeah. And, you know, again, this whole missing person thing, you know, and I know obviously you see it every day too, just on Facebook alone, the amount of new cases or just new situations that pop up of missing people. It just, when I first started this research, when you was talking to me about this, it, it absolutely blew my mind. I, in all these years in law enforcement, you know, I don't know if this is a good thing to say, but never really thought about that too. Mm-hmm. But holy cow, the amount of people that are missing. I really don't think a lot of people understand that. No, and but you'll see, 
it's, it's, it's crazy, man. But when I talk about the power and what we're doing, just this morning, I mean, we, we got a text from one of the people that we're helping, right? And what, what did it say? As far as all the awareness or all the stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. She was talking about, uh, just seems like ever since we got involved with her and she sees us having been more involved in other things, she seems to be seen a lot more about, you know, missing person cold cases. Yeah. And, but, and that's true. I can't tell you how many news interviews I've done. I can't tell you how many, uh, Zoom meetings I've had that people have, you know, put out all over across the country and things like there is a, there's a huge need for what we're doing. And again, I'm not taking credit for it. I want there to be as many people out there just like us doing the exact same thing. Like, I, I wish to God there was thousands of groups just like this that were doing it. Um, because it is. There's power in numbers. But people are seeing it more. They're talking about it more. I mean, it's crazy to say, but I mean, hell, we had more, we had more involvement in cases in different states in the beginning than we did in our own, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't know how that worked. That's just how it worked out. But now people are hearing, it, it, it kind of cracks me up. It's a little strange because the, the people that are just now found finding out about what we're doing are the people closest to us, right? Like the, these neighboring communities. And they're just blowing us up at this point. And they're like, we had no idea you were doing this. I mean, like, you know, like, and then, it is what it is. I'm not saying, you know, we were trying to hide anything from them, but now everybody's finding out about it, right? Right. And it's just going to continue to grow. And that, oh, yeah. that's all I want. That's all I want. The more people that we're able to locate and bring back home, you know, deceased or not, that, that's all we're, that's it. That's all we care about. Absolutely. And like I said, you know, the more people that get involved trying to do this, you know, other organizations, the better, because on any given point, on the average, you know, 150,000. I mean, I know what, 600,000 go missing every year. Now, obviously, a very large amount of those end up being found. It's, you know, really ends up not being missed. They may have just gotten lost or, you know, there's several different categories to that. But again, you know, when you still add that certain amount that's still not found that goes cold after a year, which is roughly around, what, 25, 30,000? Yeah. And you keep adding that every year. Good Lord. And I don't think, again, people really understand that. So instead of some of them or some people out here getting a little upset, thinking we're stepping on toes, how about do the positive thing, do the right thing, and back us up. We'll back you up, back this organization up because it's needed. Yeah. Good yeah. Lord. That, and that, that's all that we want, for real. Um, because if you look, if you look, it was like two days ago that I went around looking into the information. But South Carolina as of two or three days ago, had 192 missing persons just in South Carolina alone. Right? That's that's 192 people. I don't even think I know 192 people, you know, but... I don't have that many friends on Facebook, <laughs> on my personal page. Yeah, so, it's, I mean, it's just huge. And then you get into places like Texas and near into the thousands. I mean, we've been all over the world, right? And you... Like when we were in Los Angeles, I mean, my God, think of all the people that could go missing there. All the places you could be missing at. Yeah, I've, I've had quite a few pop up since I come back from there about situations. And actually, I think there was there, there was actually one that happened in the area that we were staying mm. while we were there. Yeah. But I didn't see it till actually, it was just a few weeks ago I saw that. And I'm like, good Lord, we were there during that time frame. Yeah. But 
you know, again, moving forward, I know we got a lot going on this year, a lot we hope to accomplish. Uh, again, you know, we, we need as much help as we can from all the followers. You know, the, the more this is spread, the more this is made aware of, the better we can do. Uh, one thing that I, there was a question I was wanting to ask you. After that whole situation with Khalil Jefferson, and I know we, we left that evening, uh, was was there any particular people? Did anybody reach out to you? Do you hear from anybody? Anybody, you know, like news agencies or, or other organizations maybe? Or I mean, I know I think you talked to Sonona a few days after that. but Yeah, I talked to Sonona. Well, so almost... I mean, while I was still, while we were still in that park, right, or behind those apartments, I mean, I had two different news agencies calling me from there. On the way back, there was, what, four more interviews that took place? Three or four? Wow. Uh, then our local news media, they reached out to me because we took another case on down here, and they saw about it. Tennessee actually reached out to me. Uh, Green Greensboro. Yeah, Greensboro called me back because I did an interview with them when I was up there that day looking for Nicholas Snead. Oh, that's right. And then they called me back and they were like, hey, man, this is number one good job, like on, you know, finding Khalil. And they were like, you were right there at the one in Greensboro. They're like, and, and not necessarily an interview, but they're calling back and they're just like, hey, what you're doing is cool. We never even thought about this kind of thing. And it's growing, so the interest is there. Um, there was some other interest, you know, I've had, you know, I don't really go too much into that because I don't. You know, if, it, if it's if it's still on the table, you know, the opportunity for this, I guess I'll put it this, the opportunity for this to become something huge on like a major production type level scale is there. I've had those conversations, um, which kind of blows my mind, you know, because people, people want to know, like, how did you come up with this idea and everything else? But I swear to God, the, the very first conversation the very first interview that I ever held in this thing was with Jason Rose which is Braden Rose's uncle and you can go back and look at their uh, that interview uh, he was he did end up being found uh, unfortunately he was deceased but that was the very first case that we played a part in and all this started in um, like a, a god I don't even know what year it was probably like, I mean it was brand new but it was in a Chevrolet Suburban so this whole thing started in a passenger seat of a car and as <laughs> has grown into what it has now. So it's just, it, it kind of blows my mind how fast it takes off. But I'm not intimidated by that because that's what I wanted because I knew that if I kept pushing and you just keep getting it exposed and the more people that see this, the more awareness that gets brought, the more people that are going to get brought home. And, and it is. I mean, at the end of the day, it's making a difference, man. Well, that, that just shows you the, the vast, huge need for it. And people are finding out that you know, we're actually physically getting involved, going out. Do, we're actually doing something. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why you're hearing from so many people because you don't see this much. Yeah. So, you know, and I know we were talking about the Sumter thing because I think you call it the Sumter 20. There's like 20 missing down there. And I know you've reached out to two or three other groups. So mm -hmm. I, I'm hoping we all can coordinate together because oh, I yeah. think that would be awesome because, again, you know, we're all trying to do the same thing. Yeah, and that, that's another, so there are two more groups, right? And I'm not big into name dropping, right? But the people that helped me along the way, those are who I helped. Uh, number one is Texas EquiSearch. That's a huge organization, uh, done great things. I, you know, I'd love to work with them on something. Now, 
And I, but when when I say I would love to work with them on something, so they do have us down as a point of contact for this South Carolina, North Carolina, basically the Southeast region. So we are on that. So if you call, if you contact Texas EquiSearch, and you need something in this region. It is my understanding that we'll be one of the first ones that they reach out to as far as getting on this. So that's great. That partnership's awesome. Uh, I'll do anything they need for me. Cool. Another group that reached out and has been, you know, nothing but helpful and gave credit to us. You know, and we were planning on working, or they were, he, him and the other group that I'm about to name, they were going to work on the Greensboro um, Nicholas Sneed thing at case after I had went up there. But uh, that's exploring with Nug, Jeremy Science. I'm sure, yeah. you know, there's a good many of y'all that came over after he shouted us out. Uh, but we are in, I have been in talks with him and trying to get it set up. So when I come back at the beginning of March, we're trying to do a real big push down in Sumter for about a week straight. So if you hadn't, or if you've never heard of him, go check him out. He's it's a pretty big channel. So, you know, I highly doubt you hadn't. But if you haven't, by chance, go check Exploring with Nug out. And he's partnered up with Adam Brown Adventures. Um, I watched their live. They did an interview. I guess it's probably been a week now. It was a few days ago, but it was within a week. But they were talking about that they were interested in getting involved in more of the land side of searches and things. And I reached out to Adam because he said he was interested in cadaver dog, or that was a possibility they were exploring. And I, you know, I just kind of let him know, like, hey, if you're looking for some dogs, I know some people that can put you in the right direction right. and I think that would be awesome because he's out of Columbia um, exploring with Nugs out of Georgia and then we're out of the upstate uh, of South Carolina so that little area right there between the, uh, the three of our groups I mean you can get a lot of ground covered and I mean and they've solved cold cases before they found uh, two or three different vehicles in cases ranging from 10 to hell I think one of them was 30 years old cold case Oh wow! So, so yeah, and they've been they've been going at it for years, and so just again, just hats off to them. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully doing that with them in some churches. That I was reading a little more about that the other day when you had posted that about the Sumter twenty and all those pictures, and again, it just comes back to it still blows my mind. You don't hear about this stuff. No. And. No. You know, that whole Brent Garcia thing, you know, that just come up. I just happened to see something on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I know I've mentioned this before, but, you know, I started reading up about it, checking some articles, and I found a podcast. And, and the family, they've been very kind about that and appreciative of the podcast I did on that. But somebody else did one. It was horrible. It was pretty much painting a horrible picture of this young man. And I just don't understand why people feel they've got to do that unless they think drama drives ratings for, for their shows or something. I don't know. But, you know, that's what I like about this whole situation. We're strictly doing facts. Mm. You know, factual information, what we have on hand, we, we roll from there. But, again, hopefully getting together with those guys soon. Uh, hopefully we can find a handful at least yeah. or, or so, you know, some type of answer, some type of information because I did not realize there was that amount just in that area. Yeah. That kind of blew my mind. So... You know, and I don't want to be the elephant in the room, but then at the same time, you know, I guess I'm trying to be, I think, because I know one of the more common things that's been said or people talk about the families is that they feel like they're not getting the proper help or communication from the right authorities. Mm. And, yeah, I know you talked to me about that before and then getting out here seeing it more. Yeah, I think a lot of it is... 
a big portion of it is going to be resources. I understand that budget constraints. We had that last agency that we were with, and, you know, and I get all of that, but it still blows my mind when you're still talking about a human life here. At mm-hmm. the very least, you know, show that family some type of concern or compassion. Or, But it, it just drives me crazy when I hear all these talk about it. They're just like, well, they won't call me back or they won't answer my email. I, I can't get anything out of them. And I just, that, that, that just escapes me. I don't understand that. Especially when we're talking about a family who's lost somebody, who's going through hell literally. You know, all these sleepless nights are just wondering what has happened to this person. Yeah. It's just like people forget about that. And that, I, that that's my soapbox for the day. Yeah, well, I mean, it is discouraging. It's disheartening. Um, because when, when these people call you, or I say these people, when, when these families call you, or these concerned loved ones and things that they've got going on, it. I hate to say that, and I wish that wasn't the case, but, I mean, my God, I mean, like, you hear it once, okay, maybe possibly. You hear it twice, all right, yeah, there might be something. But when you hear it 10, 15 times, I mean, there's just no, it has to be addressed. And and I know part of it, right? And so they, family members have said that they've had these assumptions that because their loved one was a drug user or had mental health problems or this wasn't the first time that they had went missing. Maybe not for this long, obviously. But this had, you know, they became known to law enforcement, whether it's for good reasons or bad reasons. They just feel like it hadn't been looked into. Well, here's the thing. They're still human beings. They still, at the end of the day, were part of that community to which these people are paying tax dollars for these services, right? Exactly. I, I, again, I'm saying that. I'm not harping. I'm not preaching. I'm, I, I support law enforcement. But at the end of the day, you know, everybody wants to hear it. And you, you know, and there's certain situations where it would, it would piss you off because people would be like, oh, I'm going to do this because I pay your taxes, Right. These people aren't being, they're not going about it in that approach. They're just asking for legitimate help. Yeah. And that is true. That is why public service exists, is to help people. Exactly. And, and some of these small towns, too, and that's, some of these small towns, like, all right, I, I'm not going to make excuses for them, but like Los Angeles Police Department, they get just absolutely ringed with calls. It is nonstop. NYPD, all these huge organizations, Atlanta. All, you know, Texas, Houston, Dallas, all these places like that. Yes, they have a ton of calls. But they also have the budget to have dedicated staff that works cold cases, missing persons cases. Now, these smaller little agencies that we go to that don't have that much going on, Yeah. that, you know, some of the worst things that have got taken place are, are thefts at night, right? Well, I'll tell you how you draw, you make these thefts go down. Is being proactive, being engaged in your community, knowing about what's going on. Not just saying, oh, yeah, well, we know so-and-so is smoking dope and they're stealing copper or they're stealing catalytic converter. Okay, well, you know that. But what are you doing to stop it? What are you doing to be proactive in this? And stop being reactive and be proactive. And then people yeah. say, well, no, well, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm just showing up to, you know, I'm almost done. I'm trying to stay the court. Yeah, I get that. I understand that. But if that is the mindset that you have, especially if you've been doing it for 20 years, you're now influencing those people that are coming in, the young people that want to get up and get after it, to do absolutely nothing. Yeah. If you're training them, if you're you're being trained by somebody that doesn't know what they're doing, number one, 
because they've just been lazy and hidden the shadows the entire time and somehow skated by, right? Or on the reverse side of that, you got these dudes out here that are just jam up police. They're proactive. They come in, they get after it. They're wanting to find these stolen vehicles. They're wanting to get drugs off the street. Um, they're wanting to find these missing people. So, so here's a common theme, though. So mental health, right? I mean, that's a that's an epidemic. There's nothing necessarily the police can do do to deal with that because they're not medical professionals. However, there are organizations out there like NAMI, National Alliance of Mental Health that you can go to classes and learn how to deal with these things. Learn how to deal with people that are all suffer from autism. Learn how to people learn how to deal with people that suffer from just mental health conditions in general. So when they go missing, right? So young children and people suffering or older generations, when they go missing, you know, have Alzheimer's, things like that, what what's a common trend between them? They're they're attracted to water. I mean how many how many cases have you looked at where little kids go missing or Older people go missing, and they're either found floating in close by swimming pools, mm-hmm. close by golf course ponds, or rivers, streams, whatever the case may be. You know, it's things like that, just going out there. Like my hat goes off to to the police that are still going out. Because I'll be honest with you, don't nobody want to do it. I don't want to do it. There was Number one, there's no money in it. But you do things like that, not before the money, but to help people, right? Right. But when you have... And I'm, this pisses me off. But when you have administrations that don't support going out and doing these things, right? You can't. If you've got a brand new six month, fresh out of the academy, just got released on his own, police officer, he's not going to know that certain things exist, like certain organizations that help that are funded by federal money that you can call and do all kinds of research and things like this. That all all that information is there. You just got to know how to utilize it, right? Right. Um, you know, it's it's just administrations need to really focus more on helping. Now, there are some great ones out there. There really, truly is one one that I know really takes into consideration this whole cold case missing persons unit is Greenville County Sheriff's Office out of South Carolina. Yeah, I saw that the other day. I was reading that article. Yeah, so since it, interesting the the sheriff that's in there now or now the sheriff that's in there now had formed a cold case unit. And since 2020, they have actually solved nine unsolved cases. I think the last one was just today or yesterday. The news yeah. put out about it. Yeah, I was reading that yesterday. So it's things like that. So don't tell, don't sit here and tell me it can't be done, right? That's why. That's why I said earlier. I don't want to hear that. I don't. I got no time for that. Like it, it can be done. You just gotta hold yourself accountable and go out there and do it. Now, yeah, there's a lot of other issues that are going on that people need to deal with. But this is also one of the biggest issues that you can deal with. So you have to find that balance. Like, this wouldn't have became a cold case if it had been looked into properly in the beginning. Right? That first, I would agree. That first 48 hours is, the, hands down, the most important. And there's a huge misconception out there, and we've heard it from a couple of people now, and I've heard it throughout my, you know, my career in law enforcement, that you've got to wait 48 hours or 72 hours before somebody missing. If somebody tells you that, you need to call a neighboring department. You need to call whoever you need to call and let them know that that's what you were just told because that is 100% not true, not factual. And if you live in a state where that is a law, then you need to move because that is idiotic. Yeah, that, that blows my mind, especially when, again, the first 48 hours are the most crucial. And I know this is a slight side note, but that just made me think of this, about the Amber Alert system. Mm. Again, 
missing persons or missing children, but I don't think people realize this. That's not standardized across this country. Every state, county, what have you, handles and uses that differently. So I think that needs to, Amber Alert needs to be a standardized thing across this country. And it needs to be, if somebody comes and says, hey, this is missing, this is what needs to happen instead of, well, come back and talk to us. And I, I don't understand that one. I still haven't figured that one out. Good Lord. I mean, for all we know, you know, they could be down the road, you know, someone in the woods fell over and knocked themselves in the head. I mean, it could be something really that simple. And if you'd put something together in the beginning, somebody could have found that. But now, you know, I mean, that person has died because of the injury or something like that. or what? It just, I don't understand that. Law enforcement of all should know that's the most crucial thing to deal with is time. No, no matter what it is, it, it's all a time thing. Yeah, and there and there are again. Let me let me repeat this. There are some, I, and I've still got some buddies that are still active in law enforcement. There are some of the best human beings you will ever meet in your life that are in police police work. Oh yeah, but there are also some of the most incompetent, lazy individuals. That have ever walked the face of this earth, that are in positions of power within these commute or within these law enforcement ranks, that have no business being in those positions, other than just because you go, just because you go fishing with somebody, just because you go, you you know, y'all's wives sell cookies at the local clubs and things like that. Like I don't care about none of that. If you're not, if you're not good at your job, if you are not, if you don't back your people, if you don't back the officers that are underneath you, if you know, you don't stand up when it's not the cool thing to do and say, hey, they were right, this is why, and I can back it up. Then you have them. that is why your department struggled. That is why you're having problems getting retention. Number one, employee retention is at an all-time low. Uh, bringing on new employees, period, just isn't happening. Because these yeah. things happen. Again, it's 2023. The Internet exists. Um you know why? Why would you ex- explain that? If you, if okay, if you're in an administration right now in police work, explain to me why, fresh out of college, if you if somebody went to college, and you've got sixty, let's just say sixty thousand dollars in student loan debt, right? Because you're not part of, you know, the, the very minimal amount that comes out debt free and things like that. Like you know, you're you're your average blue collar hard worker, and you come out. And your first job offer after going to college, you're sixty thousand in debt. Uh, you may be married. You maybe got some kids on the way. You maybe already have some kids, whatever. And then they give you a job offer fresh out the gate of forty thousand dollars. What do you? What do you suppose? Who's going to work for that? I did it when I when I started. It was twenty six thousand dollars a year, and I you could they could almost let me do it for free. I mean, hell, looking at it now, I almost did. But you can't you can't live off that anymore. You can't. Now, I'm not making excuses for, for lack of better terms, the shitbags to get in there and absolutely tarnish what law enforcement stands for. I will be absolutely. the first to call them out. If you're a trash bag, if you, you know, if you go out here and you're violating people's rights, you're doing things you ain't got no business doing. I got no use for it. Don't ever, don't ever talk to me. And if your feelings are getting hurt by what I'm saying, then you might want to gut check yourself because you might be part of the problem and not the solution. Absolutely. Yeah, I would 100% agree with every bit of that. <laughs> so, but, well, but there are there are good ones out there, and they're investigators, and they're just your average road police clocking in for 12 hours a day. 
that are involved in, that are so dedicated to certain cases of people missing or crimes that have been committed where nobody's been held accountable. There are people that are so committed to that that it literally consumes their overall oh, yeah. being. So my hat's off to you. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Just keep grinding and eventually you'll find something. Absolutely. Well, you know, kind of going back to Khalil here in closing, you know, it's always tough to see families suffer through these type of situations, you know, even though our, our years in law enforcement, you know, being on scene with, with some of these type of things, it, it's still never easy. And, you know, it, it's always a hard thing trying to figure out how to console or, or, or say things or do things in a certain way. There's really just not. But I think these families understand and know that, you know, we truly are trying to help. We're trying to do for them to give them what they're looking for. Uh, you know, moving forward, I know we've got a lot, a lot we're talking about this year, a lot of cases, a lot of things we're trying to do. We've got a few other ideas. You know, I, I'm looking forward to this year. I think it's, I, I think it's going to be a banner year, if for lack of a better way to say it. I, I foresee a lot of stuff coming, a lot of, a lot of support. If there's, if there's one thing, I think, it, how would you say this? If there's one thing you would really like for people to know and understand you know, how would you want to say that? If there's anything, if there's anything that I would want people to understand and know that's taking place is that, again, we are just getting started. It's January of 2023. By December of 2023, I fully expect for this to be a full-time, ongoing, I mean, just absolutely rocking and rolling organization here because that's all I want like, there's no ifs ands or buts about it this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life it is going to be a grind to get there I'm not afraid of the work I enjoy that uh, but that's just it the biggest thing that I can say that I want people to know is keep sharing keep tagging us in cases keep reaching out to us I'm not I'm not afraid to talk to anybody like I'm not I enjoy talking to them uh, I don't I don't mean that I enjoy talking to them under the circumstances that I'm talking to them, but I do enjoy talking to people because I believe that I can help them. Right. That's what I want to work on. Absolutely. So just keep doing that. We are, one thing that I, my biggest goal for 2023 is I do want to do a 60-day straight different case every day. Well, I tell you what, I, the way that I would like to do it. I would like to take 30 cases, right? 30 cases from anywhere from here to the middle of the country, right? Because in 60 days, 60 days isn't long enough to go all over the country. But I would like to basically say on, the if you drew a line down the middle of the country and everything on the right side, that's where I would like to stay. But I would like to take 60 days and go work as many cases or bring awareness to as many cases as possible in, that, in those locations. And the reason I say that because Within 60 days, there is no doubt in my mind that we would be able to bring closure to, I, I don't know, I'd say at least 10, at least 10 families. Oh, I would agree. But even if we didn't, we would bring awareness every single day to a different case. And then, I mean, you could be blind and solve one of these things if you were really, truly trying within 60 days, you know? So that, that is something, again, I don't want to have to ever ask 
for donations or nothing like that, but the, the links on my page, if, if you feel so inclined to donate or if anything that we've done makes you feel like, hey, yeah, no, these guys are serious, if you want to go and donate towards that, I mean, realistically, I'm, we're going to need about $30,000, $40,000. That is about the, the mark or benchmark that I think is going to be needed for that because there's a lot of equipment that goes into that. There's a lot of fuel, um, you know, and that, that, that's, that's what I think is going to be needed for it, just being realistic. And thirty, forty thousand dollars at the end of the day, I know is a lot to some people. Thirty, forty thousand dollars to other people is hardly anything. You know, each and every little bit helps. But if you can't give anything, don't think that that excludes you from what we're trying to do. You can share it, you can comment, you can post it in the groups that you're in. I mean, just get it out there. That's all we want. Oh, absolutely. You know, I've had couple of emails over the last couple of months and I'll throw this in there on that people asking you know is there anything else I can do I really don't have money and I completely understand that you know pay attention to the Loudwater Outfitter page the Facebook page you know because he may be post or will be posting an area we might be in or somewhere we're going to so you know come out and volunteer help us search anything like that you know same thing even with equipment you know whether it's even something simple as, you know, SD cards or, or extra batteries, you know, we'll, we'll take and use anything. But, you know, fundraisers will be an absolutely awesome thing to do. We would love to get together if anybody wants to do that. So, you know, we've had that, people ask that. So those are several different types of situations that, you know, somebody wants to get involved in or help do for us or help us, what have you. I, th I think those will be great ideas. Uh, well... I think this has been a really good and interesting show. I think, uh, I know there's a lot of information in there, not just about the case, but just again, about how, how we do this whole thing, how this come about. I know people truly do want to understand how and why, you know, this came about how we do everything. I think, I think moving forward, I, I foresee a, a lot more happening. I see a lot more people getting involved and they truly understand what we're about. And, you know, I, I can't say enough about this. You know, we're just getting started. That's the thing. That's what blows my mind. But, you know, getting involved in you with this, coming over here to Loudwater now and starting this, I think this is going to be something huge. I think people understand or are starting to learn and understand what, what we're truly about. And that's what I love about this whole thing. That this isn't just going out here making some videos being seen, we're trying to make a difference in people's lives because we saw enough negativity in our career. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, any closing comments, anything else or? No, nothing really. I mean, just again, just thanking each and every one of you that's listening to this, the downloads, the follows, the subscribes, um, you know, that's it. And like I said, I do have to promote a little bit, right? Because, I mean, this is a business. You know, I mean, right. we have to, there's certain things that we have to do in order to do it. Just because, well, I mean, I can't, me personally, I just, I can't pay out $17,000 a month and not have anything returning in. Now, do, do I, I don't feel, and a lot of people are like, $17,000. Like, my God, why don't you do that? We've helped a lot of people in the past yeah. two months. We've helped a lot of people. So that's $17,000. That is, uh, that is money well spent, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I guess, I mean, how do you put a price tag on that? You know what I mean? So, again, 
Each and every one of you is greatly appreciated. I think we're, uh, we'll probably be over the 5,000 follower mark on Facebook. So if you're listening to this, if you don't mind, something super simple that I would ask you to do that doesn't cost you anything, if you go to uh, YouTube and subscribe to Loudwire's page, as soon as we hit 1,000, that, uh, that gets those videos monetized. So then we can stop saying, hey, can we get money for this? Can we get money for that? You know. But I'll keep asking just because it helps more people. And I, again, I've never asked the families but there's people within the Loudwater community that uh, that know people that would be willing to donate or things like that, and it's it's just greatly appreciated. And the ones of you that have donated, let me make that clear too. There have been a numerous amount of people that have donated, and as you can see, everything that you've done has went right back in to what we're doing. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so just thank you. That's really all I got to say. Just thank you. Well, I, w I want to throw in there, I want to thank you all, the Loudwater Outfitter community, for following, for listening. Again, since jumping on this train with you, I've just been absolutely amazed at the support and the following. And like you said, some of them get pretty fierce about taking care of us. So that's really awesome. You guys are great. Keep sharing. Keep spreading the word, spreading the awareness. We appreciate everything absolutely more than you probably realize. And again, Mike, I want to thank you for taking the time out to stop by, check out your new podcast, <laughs> and talk to us about this. I appreciate the opportunity. I really do. I think this is going to be big. I'm excited about this. So moving forward, you know, again, I can't wait to see where we go with all of this. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you. And I look forward to it. And I'll make sure y'all give John here a big round of applause Shoot for, uh, for all the work he's doing. <laughs> all right. Well, again, thank you guys so much. Appreciate you. Hope you all have a great week. Keep your families close, and remember, as always, stay safe. Thank you.